Welcome to another exciting episode of Feasting at the Table with Grace Tom Lawyer. Thank you so much for joining. You're welcome once again. We are continuing our study today. It's a study on the error of Balaam and today is part six. Today we're going to be continuing further looking at what happened after Balaam had that episode with the donkey. But before we continue, what I'd like to do is just do a brief rundown for what we've done in the past five weeks. If you're just joining us for the first time, thank you for joining us. We've been studying the life of Balaam. We've actually have been looking at the phrase called the error of Balaam. This phrase appears in the book of Jude, chapter 1, chapter 1, chapter and verse 11. Apostle Jude was saying to the people, telling them to beware of false prophets. And part of the things he said was, listen, beware of the way of Cain, the error of Balaam and the rebellion of Kohar. And in this series, Basically, what we're looking at is what is the error of Balaam? I used to think, oh, there was just one error of Balaam. But as I began to study the life of Balaam and look at what the Bible said about him, I noticed that there were several errors he made along the way before he made that one that we're well familiar with. And we've gone through what has happened to the children of Israel. They were right, they were right at the brinks of Jericho, waiting to get into the promised land. And part of the things that happened was their success attracted enemies. And we said that there were enemies that came that even did not need to fight the battle. The king of Moab didn't know that the Israelites were already been given an instruction not to go after the land of the Moabites because they were their relatives. And I said, sometimes we fight unnecessary battles. But when we look at the way the king of Moab went about the battle, we say we need to understand the type of battle we are and the strategy. Sometimes we need to do something both spiritual and physical. Physically, yes, they wanted to fight, but they needed spiritual armor and they asked for someone to come and cause. We looked at the life of Balaam, how successful his ministry was. He was of international repute. He was sent over 350 miles away to come and curse the people because they said whoever he curses, his curses. However, Balaam refused to remember or understand his limitations and be able to tell people, these are my limitations. I can't just curse who Whoever, I'll bless whoever you know there's someone who might serve or there's someone who is most who is sovereign and who actually determines who causes and who releases but that was what we saw in the life as it were of Balaam and child of God when we, we look at that um, seriously we see that there's so many things as it were in the life of Balaam that we could learn there's some positive things and there's some negative things and we said the people came to meet Balaam again and again they came once and he did not say to them exactly what God had said. He left the door open and because he left the door open, they were able to come again. We say sometimes we need to make sure that we make a final cut out with temptation so that we're not we're not giving room for the enemy to come over again. Because sure enough, the enemy came again, sent Balak sent more honorable people, promised more reward. And Balaam this time couldn't resist upon all the encounters he had with the angel, with the donkey. Imagine how it was for him speaking to the donkey. Donkey, donkey speaking to him and this is him that has followed you know people are following him saying that okay you're coming to do some prophetic work and then they are wondering what's happened and obviously he perhaps didn't want to tell them that oh i had another encounter that says i shouldn't go he actually went and i was like oh do you still want me to go and we said that sometimes at the end of the day we are asking some questions but we really don't want to do what god wants us to do and that there is a need for us to be sold out totally to jesus sold out to his cause sold out so that we don't leave room for the enemy interestingly balaam who you're supposed to be this year did not see the angel blocking the path. I would say sometimes we're acting out of only what we can see physically. If we see what God is doing behind the scenes, there's a certain way we are going to go about things. 
but we need to use the eyes of faith to actually see that God is working behind the scenes for us and God is for us because I believe that that is one of the greatest lies the enemy tells us when he tells us that God is not interested, he's not hearing us and all of that and all of that. And recently I'm studying the book of, I'm studying the life of Moses and looking at Exodus. I love the way God says, listen, I have heard the cries of the people. I have seen their affliction. I am coming to do something about it. So child of God, be encouraged that even when you can't see him, he's working. Because in the midst of all of this, the children of Israel didn't even know what God was doing behind the scenes. They didn't even know that their enemies, their enemies were plotting against them and God was in their defense. Hallelujah. So last week, uh, when we stopped, we stopped at um, Numbers chapter 22. I think we got up to verse Twenty-two. So I'm just going to open my Bible again. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Numbers is in the Old Testament, so you have to flip to your Old Testament for you to see it at the very beginning. I believe the fourth or fifth book there. So let's see. We've talked about um, the encounter that Balaam had with his donkey. We said that Balaam that was animal cruelty and all of that, and then eventually he said, "Oh, let me go." So we're just going to go on now to verse twenty-seven. I don't know if you are there. I'm sorry, verse 37. I'm going to read it. So I'll step back to verse 35 just to give us a better background. Verse 35 of Numbers chapter 22. But the angel told Balaam, Go with this man, but say only what I tell you to say. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials. When King Balaam heard that Balaam was on his way, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Ammon River at the farthest border of his land. I tell you, well, we'll talk about that. Let me continue. Verse 37. Didn't I send an urgent invitation? Why didn't you come right away? Balaam asked, Balak asked Balaam, Did you, didn't you believe me when I said I would reward you richly? Verse 38. Balaam replied, Look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Verse 39. Then Balaam accompanied Balak to Kiriak Huzur, where the king sacrificed cattle and sheep. He sent portions of the meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamotbao. From there, he could see some of the people of Israel spread out below. Hallelujah. So let's, let's get what is happening here. So at the end of the day, Balaam obviously joins and goes, joins these people and attends this meeting. He goes to see Balak. But Balak doesn't even wait for him to get anywhere. The Bible says at the from where he was in the farthest end of the town, you know, somehow Balak had gotten the message that Balaam had, had succumbed and Balaam was coming, you know, to do what he wanted him to do. And you can see that Balak is a very persistent person. He's not getting no for an answer. He's tried all, he's done all within his power to ensure that he gets what he wants. And sometimes child of God, we are like that. With Think because we can pull the strings, we want to pull the strings, we pull every possible strings. But sometimes the strings we are pulling are not the strings that God has allowed, and sometimes it looks like He's working, but at the end of the day, it doesn't work. Why? Because the Bible says that except the Lord builds the city, those who build they labor in vain. Hallelujah. Except the Lord watches the city, those who watch it, they labor in vain. What is that thing that you're trying to use? You're using within your power, you know, to get all because you are able to do it from where you are, from your vantage position. But is it God? Because it may be a good idea, but is it a godly idea? Is that what God wants? And if that's what God wants, is it now that God is wanting it? Is it time for it now? Or is it something we're trying to work out for ourselves? The Bible tells us here that Balak went to the Father 
this part of the town before Balaam even arrived to say, oh, you're welcome. And he was like, oh, but I told you that I was going to bless you. You had an open check. You had things that were better. I see that you didn't believe me. I know sometimes that's how the enemy operates with us. Sometimes the enemy wants to give a better check pay. Or sometimes he wants to make an offer that sounds so good. But we know that this offer is an offer to do wrong. We know that this would displease God. Child of God, let's learn from the error that Balaam committed. There was no need. There was no need to tell the, tell the men. In short, from the very beginning, when God said to him, when God said, who are those men? And he was asking why the men were there. Remember that was an error. God is asking you who and you're saying why because you're trying to justify the means. From the very beginning, when God said to him, don't go with them. You can't even cost those people. You know, you may not know that but you cannot cause them that was what Balak needs needed to have Balaam needed to have told them and the whole matter would have ended would have told them I know that you people say that I'm international prophet I know that you people have come because you've heard of my reputation but really it's not within my part to curse this particular kind of people because God has revealed to me that these people cannot be caused so it's beyond my limits I mean in the professional world what we say about that is that do something that is within your comfort zone that's what we say we say do something that you 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 are capable of doing so that you don't you don't do anything that you're you're not capable of doing because that in itself is professionally wrong and you'll be putting the patient as it were in a <laughs> in danger but no balan 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 didn't want to admit that he had limitations rather he followed and in spite of all the different things in spite of the fact that god really showed that he was angry balan went on and so balak said to him oh i could have come to you i could have done this i could have done that but i like the answer he gave because i think that sometimes that's the kind of attitude we need to approve uh, and we need to adopt the verse 30 he says balan replied look now i have come i know sometimes that's what we need to do to some of the situations we're facing sometimes that's the way we need to look at some of our relationships because sometimes we're trying to drag about a matter that has happened again and again and again and again and again as it were someone's not willing to do something the person has finally you know decided to do it and then we want to go back again we want to recount the story from a to z we want to talk about all oh, that time in 1979 when the person did this did that did this this that this that and then in 1982 and then repeat in 1984 and then sometime in the middle of 1988 you know we just go on and on and on and on and i like what balam said to balam balam said listen i am here now you know, and child of God, perhaps you may be in a relationship that you've not been able to go on further with it because you don't want to forget the past, because you don't want to forget some things that have happened in the past. And, and this holding on to the past, as it were, I, I always look carefully at this. This is holding on to the past because Balak is thinking that Balak did not, Balak should not have made the decision he made because this is what he wanted. Hallelujah. This is what he wanted, not what Balak wanted. And, and sometimes we, our relationships have some issues because we're trying to insist on our way. But I love what Balance said. Balance said to him, listen, I have come now. And then he tells him truthfully this time around, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Well, like I would say, he should never have even come again. And then what happened? Balaam accompanied Balak to Kerazot. So they went to somewhere else. And Bible says there, the king sacrificed cattle and sheep. He sent portions of meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. And then the next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal. From there, he could see some of the people of Israel 
spread out below he trusts them this is the enemy working behind the scenes this is the enemy gathering people as it were to come and cross israel and be known and be known to israel they are just where they are sometimes we're just where we are chilling out but god is fighting our battles god is turning around things for us and, and sometimes we get discouraged because we can't see what is working behind the scene but child of god if there's anything i have to say to you today is that god is for you hallelujah the bible says that if god be for us who can be against us. God is for you. He is working behind the scene concerning you. Bible says that Balak took Balaam there. Why? He wanted him to be on sort of like elevated position where he could see some of the children of Israel and he could cost them from there. But God did not allow it. So let's go to the next chapter. It's going to be some quick reading and then we're going to skip through so that we're able to see some certain things. And then the Bible says that um, so we're now in chapter 23 and then verse 1. Then Balaam said to King Balak, okay, I just want us to realize that if you see most things in scripture most things in life go with sacrifices there's a sacrifice there's something that needs to be done you know for things to go on in a certain way and most things in scriptures actually go with sacrifices and we see here that Bala decided to offer sacrifices and then he sent the meat because one of the things that happens when the sacrifice is offered and the meat and co are sent to people it means that you agree it means that you share in the covenant and we see Bala there he took all of those things and then the bible says Numbers chapter 23. Then Balaam said to King Balak, Build me seven altars here and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. Balak followed his instructions and the two of them sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. So that's them. They are doing sacrifices. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand here by your bond office and I will go to see if the Lord will respond to me. Then I will tell you whatever he reveals to me. Hallelujah. And, and that's something about Balaam that we should learn from because Balaam is so sure that God will speak to him. That's what we said the very first time when these people approached him. He said, hey, wait here tonight. God will speak to me and I will tell you. Know. But one of the things we saw was that Balaam did not faithfully deliver the message that God gave him. Him in Numbers chapter 22. However, we've come to Numbers chapter 23. Balaam has grown up. Balaam has, has, has learned some lessons. You know, it, it's one thing for us to make mistakes. It's another thing for us to grow. He had made the mistake in the past, but this time around, when the Bible tells us that he's saying that, listen, I will go and hear what God says, and whatever he tells me, I will come back and tell you. I tell you, child of God, that there's progress made in the life of Balaam. Interestingly, as progress is being made in the life of Balaam, it doesn't appear like there's progress made in the life of Balak. So let's see what Balaam says. Bible says, so Balaam went alone to the top of the bear hill and God met him there. Hallelujah. I, I just that first strikes me because Bible says Balaam went alone to the top of the base hill. And it, I begin to imagine, okay, this is Balak. Balak wants Balaam to use his God and cause, wants Balaam to use his God to cause him. But when it's time to meet God, you know, Balak is not there. Rather, the Bible says that Balaam went a, alone. And sometimes, child of God, that's, that's the kind of positions we, we find ourselves in. Oh, we, we want to be like the children of Israel want to seek God for us. Let us hear what God is saying. I'm telling you, child of God, whoever you are, whenever you got saved, you have the capacity to hear God for yourself. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. Hallelujah. Because sometimes also it's the fact that we don't believe that God is speaking to us. God speaks to us. It's just for us to listen. God speaks to us. We need to recognize God speaking to us because we see Balak here. Oh, go and hear what God is saying and then come and you know use it and cause. Look 
look at where should he have sent for someone 250 miles away if he knew this God for himself, if he knew what God was saying for himself. But so sometimes we don't want to pay the sacrifice as it's where that will cause us to get to that point where we know God, where we are hearing God. And hearing God comes with training. And I tell you, no matter what anybody tells you concerning hearing God, we still miss it. We do still miss it. Sometimes we think, oh, we heard God. Meanwhile, we did not hear God. It was somewhere in our subconscious, you know, somewhere in ourselves that was saying something. So I don't want us to think that because we think, oh, I don't miss God. I don't miss God. I don't miss God. And then we use that. The enemy makes it, you know, as an excuse for us not to pursue what it means to hear from God on a daily basis. The Bible says here that Balaam went alone to the top of the bear hill. The Bible says, guess what? The Bible says in verse 4, and God met him there. Balaam said to him, I have prepared seven altars and I have sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. And the, verse 6 says, the Lord gave Balaam a message for King Balak. Then he said, go back to Balak and give a message. Okay, so we see here that Balaam is actually a prophet. Because what does a prophet do? A prophet tells um, people what God is saying concerning them as it were. And um, the prophet also speaks to God concerning the people. And so we see here, Balaam said, Balaam went to meet God and began to speak to God. And the Bible says that go back to Balaam and give him my message. So God spoke to Balaam. There was a two-way communication. We've said it before here, that in the place of prayer, there's supposed to be a two-way communication. If our place of prayer is just one way, one way, one way, one way, one way, then it's a problem. It's no more prayer, you know, as it's where it's just a demanding spree. Because that's what sometimes we do. But if our place of prayer, is a place of a two-way, then I tell you our prayer lives are guaranteed to be better because we might come planning to pray for A, B, C and God is saying, no, I want you to pray for F. We might come planning to, you know, do all manner of things and God is saying, no, what I just want to hear from you today is worship songs, is you exalting my name. We might come thinking that we're just going to mourn and we'll come there and we pick up a new spirit in the place of prayer. The place of prayer is supposed to be a place where people encounter God and Balaam went there and he encountered God and, and that's the first prophecy. In short, if we go through the um, Numbers chapter 23, we see that there are four different prophecies that Balaam gave. Every time Balak took him to another place to cause the children of Israel, there was a prophecy. And every time these prophecies came, it was prophecies exalted the name of God. It was prophecies putting the Israelites as it were um, um, in a good light and making Balak, Balak, Balak know that they could not be caused. So let's look at the first um, thing that Balaam said we see the first prophecy that Balaam gave. What was it? He said, Balaam, uh, Balaam started, Balaam summoned me to come from Aram. The king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said, and curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves, set apart from other nations. Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as dust? Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? Let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like this. <laughs> Imagine that was supposed to be someone to curse. But I thank God because here we see that Balaam in it has changed. Balaam indeed begins to pronounce and says, listen, I cannot curse them that God has not cursed. I cannot, you know, I cannot come and condemn the people that God has not condemned. And child of God, sometimes we are trying to condemn people that God has not condemned. And, and sometimes, I just remember something that happened recently. Someone wrote something about, um, um, I don't know if you've seen that joke or seen that story of a man whose father, in, no, a man whose father helped him find a wife and sent his wife over 
and then um, he met the wife at night and took her out. She was stranded, something like that, and they slept. And the next day, the wife came looking for the husband, and they found out that they were each other. And, you know, I was just like, that's not a story for us. That's not the kind of life we live as believers. And then the person was like, oh, there's no condemnation. And sometimes all in the name of, oh, we don't want to condemn, we don't want to condemn. Sometimes we don't speak against things that are evil. But the Bible clearly makes us understand that there's a place for saying this is wrong. But there's also a place for condemnation. You know, there's also, there's no place for condemnation. And when we say condemnation, Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because there's a difference between feeling condemned and feeling, you know, repentant. There's a difference between, oh, you've done something wrong and you're like, oh God, please forgive me. But when it's, when rather than godly soul leading to repentance is leading to this sense of guilt that is refusing to accept the forgiveness of God, because sometimes our sense of guilt is actually pride. We don't want to believe in the forgiveness of God. We believe that we must do something for God to forgive us. But that's not how God's forgiveness is. His forgiveness is freely given to us. If we recognize that what we have done is wrong, then we come to him and we ask for forgiveness and we should believe we should receive what he has done for us and child of god we see here that what i'm saying listen there's no condemnation here i would like condemn whom god has not condemned and it's important for us not to condemn whom god has not condemned i mean if you remember the story of jesus and that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and somehow it was only the woman that was brought maybe she committed adultery by herself and the bible says that jesus they, they kept on you know on him oh let's kill let's do this, this is what the lord Moses and Jesus said to them, listen, whoever has, you know, no sins, you can't defend And the Bible says they all dropped their stones and they left. And Jesus said to the woman, Jesus said, oh, where are your kisses? And the Bible says that the lady was like, oh, there are no more here and all of that. And what did Jesus say to her? He says, go and sin no more. So uh, uh, when, when it comes to this part of don't judge, don't do this, it is supposed to lead to repentance. It's not supposed, the grace that is available to us is available to us to live a godly life. Bible tells us the book of Titus, chapter 2, that, hey, the grace of God that, uh, that, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And what's the first thing the grace that said, denying ungodliness, you know, teaches us to lead, lead right, righteously, soberly in this present age. That is what the grace is for. So whenever we're talking about condemnation, we need to get our story right. We need to make sure that we're saying what the word of God says. And here, the children of Israel, unknown to them, they are sitting there and they are doing their lives by themselves, not even knowing that up there in the hill, somebody is looking to cuss them out. Up there in the hill, somebody is trying to defeat them. Up there in the hill, someone intimidated by their success has gone, as it were, to get a divine out, to get somebody to come and cuss them. And Balaam said, I cannot, con I cannot condemn them. I cannot cause them because God has not caused them. And there's something he says here. He says, I see a people who live by themselves, set apart from other nations. And I tell you, child of God, that is how God wants our life to be. God wants us to be set apart from others. God wants our life to be the kind that will please him, the kind that will cause glory to his name, set apart. And that's what holiness is all about. God has called us to live set apart lives. God has called us to live lives that are different from the people around us. And let's see what Balaam said. He says that who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as dust? Who can 
Oh, sorry, I'll just go back to the other side. There's something says, I said, I see a people who live by themselves, set apart from other nations. Sometimes, child of God, we should not be afraid to live by ourselves. And when I say live by ourselves, I mean, I'm talking here about making our decisions according to the principles of the word of God, not necessarily following the crowd, not necessarily just blending in with what everybody is doing. Because here, the Bible describes the children of Israel as people who live by themselves, people who are set apart from other nations. And then, Balaam begins to say, who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as those? Who can count even the thoughts of Israel's people? And then he gives a request, which we're going to talk about later on. He says, let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like that. That was it. That was the kind of thing that Balak said. He said, let me die with the righteous. Let my life end like that. But his life really ends like that. Did he actually die with the righteous father. And let's just pray again now. And then we see verse 11. Guess what happens? Then King Balak demanded of Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed me. But Balaam replied, I will speak only the message that the Lord puts in my mouth. I must commend Balaam for this. We must commend the fact that he was faithful this time around to deliver God's message. We must commend the fact that this time around, he, 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 he faithfully delivers the message of God. And child of God, we may have missed it before, but the fact that we missed it before does not mean that we cannot do it right this time. Glory to God and the highest. The fact that we missed it before does not mean that we cannot do it right this time. We see Balaam in chapter 22, missing it out, not fully delivering all that God had said to him when he was speaking to the people. But this time around, guess what? He delivers the message. Let's go to the second message that Balaam delivers. Because child of God, as we look through, we see that there were four prophecies that Balaam gave. So let's go to prophecy number two, Balaam's second message. So verse 13. This time, you know, we said that Balak is already angry and then Balak wants to put him to somewhere else. So let's see. Ken King Balak told him, come with me to another place. There you see another part of the nation of Israel, but not all of them. Because at least that's many. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zophim on Paget's path. And he, he built seven altars there and offered a young bull and a ram on each other. And then, then Balaam said to the king, stand here by your front offerings while I go there to meet the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, go back to Balaam and give him my message. Um, okay, so that's it. Let's, so let's let's see what's actually going on there. So the next thing that Balak does is, okay, let's change the strategy. Maybe this location is not good for you. Let's go to another location. And child of God, it happens to some people. Once they change location, once people are not seeing them again, once they don't have that accountability in the location where they are, they begin to do things that they ought not to do. And sometimes it happens to us too, you know, easily swayed with wanting to go along with the crowd, easily swayed with wanting to do what the crowd wants to do. The Bible says that it was not the case with um, Balaam this time around. Although they took him to another place, the Bible says they took him to where? To the plateau of Zompi on the Pagan's Peak. And guess what he did again? He built seven altars. He put a burnt offering, a young bull and a ram on each. But Balaam said to the king, stand there by your bull. Your bulls offerings by your bull offerings by your bond offerings. Sorry, while I go over there to meet the Lord, and the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, Go back to Balak and give him my message. So you can imagine that Balaam, every time he communicated, every time he went, every time he did the altar, God spoke to him. And child of God, I cannot overemphasize the importance of the fact that God indeed wants to speak to us and God does speak to us. I mean, if you can see Prophet Balaam here, hearing God. 
even as he's building these altars, trying to do something wrong, how much more us? So let's see what God says to him in this second prophecy. This was the message Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Glory to God. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received the command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. Glory to God. No trouble is in store for Israel, for the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. God brought them out of Egypt, but then he is as strong as a wild ox. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. From now, it will be said of Jacob, what wonders God has done for Israel. These people rise up like a lioness, like a majestic lion rousing itself. They refuse to rest until they have feasted on prey, drinking the blood of the slaughter. Then Balak said to Balaam, fine, but if you would cause them, at least don't bless them. But Balak, Balak replied to Balak, didn't I tell you that I can do only what the Lord tells me? I tell you, child of God, as you continue to read this chapter, you find out that every prophecy of Balak is, Balaam is actually longer. The first one is a short one. The second one is longer than the first one. The third one is longer than the second one. And the fourth one is longer than the, than, than the third one. But we're stopping here on the second prophecy today because there's so many things in this prophecy that is really great. There are so many things. There are so many promises. There is a recounting again and again of the faithfulness and of the goodness of God. He says that, listen, God does not change his mind. That's the first thing. God is not a man and he does not lie. Whatever God has said to you, child of God, you need to hold on to it because the Bible says he's not a man. He does not lie. He does not change his mind. You know, he does not have the ability as it's where. So sometimes you ask people to do things for us and then they, even humans, sometimes they say, I would. Sometimes you say, oh, my uncle is going to put me in Susan position. And before you even get here, the, or your uncle has died. You know, that's why the Bible says that I want to to people when we put our trust in man say but if we put our trust in the lord god we can be sure that there is ever present help he says he's not a man that he should lie he's not human that he should change his mind and i love this place has he ever spoken and failed to act a child of god that's something we need to remind ourselves of on a daily basis when we come through challenges that god the things that he has spoken he's well able he, he does not fail to act he's well able to do it i says has he promised and not carried it through you see, because I think that sometimes discouragement sets into our lives because we think that what God has promised is perhaps not going to carry through. And all of that goes through the lie of the enemy that God does not love us. That lie he loves to sell. The lie that he started selling right in the Garden of Eden. This was the same lie the God, that the enemy sold to Eve. That lie that says you shall not surely die. That lie that says, well, God knows that if you are like him, this and this is what's going to happen to you. What's that, what's that saying? Doubting the goodness of God. Doubting the the goodness of God, because it's when we doubt God's goodness that we begin to doubt, is he going to do what he has said? He said, God is not a man that he should lie. He says he does not lie. He cannot lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. He does not tell you, I'll give you this today and then tomorrow he'll be like, oh, I don't have the power. He has enough power to bring to come to pass the things that he has said to you. And I know that we're getting towards the end of the year. It's a time where a lot of people begin to like have all of this, you know, ah, discouragement. So it's not going to happen this year is not going to listen god is a god of times and seasons god is a god 
that is our father. He's working on our behalf. And I love what he says. He said, I have received a command to bless. God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. And child of God, that's the attitude we ought to have. That God has blessed us. It cannot be reversed. And those are the kind of things that we should speak out of our lips. The Bible says about the tongue. It says that out of the same mouth comes blessing. Out of that mouth comes cursing. And say, no, no, no. It ought not to, to be. Rather, our tongue should be the kind that blesses. Because that's what God wants to do. He says, there's no misfortune in his plan for Jacob. Oh God, God in heaven, help me. Somebody help me shout hallelujah. That there is no misfortune in God's plan for me. So there's no, in short, he tells us in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. I know the plans I have towards you. He says, plans of good and not of evil. Because sometimes that's how the enemy gets us. When the enemy tries to sell to us that big lie that God is not good, that big lie that begins to determine the goodness of God by the circumstances around us, that good, that lie that the enemy always sells. He brings it in many forms, in many varieties, in many packages. And as we face challenges in life, he brings it in many forms. But underlining all of that form is that thing there that God does not care. Is that thing there that God does not have our best interest in But I tell you, child of God, God has your best interest in hand. He's not the only one that is 100% selfless towards you. And it says there's no misfortune in his plan for Jacob. There's no trouble that is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He has proclaimed, he has been proclaimed their king. The Lord their God is with them. He's been proclaimed their king. And when somebody is our king, what does that mean? You know, it means that we are under their kingdom, we are under their domain. And what did Jesus say? Say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Let the things that we do, let it be things that we establish the kingdom of God. Let us work in righteousness. Let's work in holiness. Let's work in peace in the Holy Ghost. Let's do those things that are are those those things that are that identify us as kingdom subjects, working to ensure that the rule and the dominion of our king is enhanced wherever we find ourselves. If God brought them out of Egypt, for them, he's as strong as a wild horse. And then he continues in verse 23. He says, no cause can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. There's no enchantment. No magic has any power against Israel. For now, it will be said of Jacob, what wonders God has done for him. If What wonders God has done for him. So, child of God, that is, in a nutshell, the the of the second prophecy of Balaam. These people he says what? Continue. He says these people. But so what? They should be said of Jacob. What wonders God has done for Israel. These people rise up like a lioness, like a majestic lamb rousing itself. They refuse to rest until they are feasted of the dripping the blood, the the blood of the slaughtered. Verse twenty five. Then Balak said to Balaam, firstly, fine. If you won't curse them, at least don't bless them. I mean, that's what he was just thinking. What's going on here? If you're not going to curse them, then please don't bless them. But child of God, I just want us to be assured again today. The Bible says that there is a command to bless. I cannot curse. There's a command to bless. I cannot curse. And child of God, we need to walk in that assurance. The Bible says that there is no misfortune in his plan for Jacob. Glory to God. No misfortune in his plan for Jacob. No misfortune in his plan for Jacob. He's not a man that he changed his mind has he ever spoken and failed to act and child of God those are the things we need to remind ourselves because here as we look
look at these prophecies, I see Balaam telling me things and teaching me things. Because when Balaam says that he has not failed, he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? It makes me begin to remember my experiences with God. The things that God has said to me, have they come true or are they alive? When I look at the word of God, is the word of God true? And I tell you, child of God, the word of God is true. The Bible says every word of God is true. In short, the psalmist says forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. We've been looking today at Balaam here, beginning with the prophecies. We looked at two prophecies that he has done. And in these two prophecies, we've seen great things. Imagine all those things you read through here. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should, you know. Neither is this the son of man that is he should repent. We've looked here at several things here that he's not human. He doesn't change his mind. That when he promises, he falls through with the promise. Let's just begin to give God thanks again today, Father. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because you have our best interest in heart. We thank you because sometimes we don't even know the great things that you're doing for us. Just as we see the children of Israel, they are unaware of the battle that you're fighting for them, but you are surely fighting their battle. Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray for our place of prayer. We pray for our place of communion that, Lord God, it will be a place of an exchange of strength, an exchange of what you are saying and what we are saying, oh God, so that Lord will come to a place, oh God, that gives you glory at all times in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word today. Blessed be your name forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by the word of God today. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Feasting at the Table.